Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I've done some research this week um, into how many words on average we speak a day. So would anyone like to hazard a guess? How many words? How many words? <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> okay, quite a range. Uh, anyone else? Any other ideas? <laughs> 5,000. So 10,000. So there is actually quite, quite a range in the studies, but if we take the higher estimate, um, a lot of studies show that apparently we speak around 15,000 to 16,000 words a day. So to put that into perspective, um, this is the first Lord of the Rings book. This is The Fellowship of the Ring, um, which is quite a hefty book. I think we'd all agree it's got a lot of words in it. Um, it actually contains 187,790 words. And yes, I did count each one myself. Um, Meaning that after only 12 days, you would have spoken more words than are in this book. After only 12 days. Um, And interestingly, Nikki, um, I did also do a quick quick search. And apparently it is a myth that women speak more words than men each day. But I'll let you debate that between yourselves later. Um, But I think we could all agree there is such potential power in the words that we speak They can be used in a really positive way, um, like rallying a team together during a sports match, um, telling someone that you love them, um, offering wise advice to a friend. Um, And I bet you can think of lots of films where a character uses their words or their speech to great effect. Um, That might be the the president's speech in Independence Day, um, or in Cool Runnings, which has to be hands down one of my favourite films of all time. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. Uh, where Yul Brenner gets Junior to repeat, I see pride, I see power, again and again to himself in the mirror. Um, but without a doubt, my favourite speech in a film comes from The Lord of the Rings. The final film, Return of the King, with Aragorn's battle speech at the Black Gate. There is a small army fighting for good against the vast darkness of Mordor. It's a wonderful speech. I was going to recite it for you, but maybe we'll save that for for another time. Um, But isn't it also true that words can cause a lot of hurt and a lot of damage as well? With all this verbal output each day, 16,000 words, give or take, uh, there is doubtless much that is not good as well. Gossiping, putting others down, bragging, swearing, manipulating, false teaching, exaggerating, complaining, flattering and lying, just to name a few. And maybe as I read that list, some of those resonated with you, either because you recognise you have a tendency to use your speech in that way, um, or because you've been hurt when someone else has used their speech in a negative way towards you. So today we are going to be continuing our preaching series called Practical Faith, where we are journeying through the book of James, which is found in the New Testament. Um, And our passage today is James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, uh, which in the Bible is given the name, or it's given the title, Taming or Controlling the Tongue. So it's all about our speech. Um, so let's get stuck in. We'll read our passage together. So please uh, follow in your Bibles, on your phones, or the words will appear on the screen behind me as well. So James chapter 3, 
starting at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, actually, I want to pause there for a minute um, because James has just given us a really severe warning. Um, For all of us in positions where we are teaching others, we need to take our words really seriously. When we stand before God, we will be judged more strictly. As I've already alluded to, um, words have such an ability to damage. Therefore, as we teach others, we need to be even more careful to guard our speech, even more careful to choose the correct words, as we could cause the most damage by not teaching wisely or appropriately. Anyway, let's continue in our passage. Um, so it carries on to say, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so um, unpacking these verses a little bit further. And I want to look at two main points this morning. And that is firstly that your speech determines the direction of your life. And secondly, your heart determines the content of your speech. So James begins by using a few images to help illustrate the way in which our tongues or our speech can control the course of our entire life. So firstly, a horse. Verse 3 says, when we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And then he goes on to use the analogy of a ship. Um, In verse 4, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, I'm an engineer, so naturally I'm going to choose to unpack the ship analogy rather than the horse, or mainly because I understand a little bit more how it works, um, but also because I'm slightly intimidated by horses. Um, (laughs) So here is a picture of the, the Titanic. Um, it is, or it was, 883 feet long. And the bit that I've circled at the back here in, in red, that is the rudder. That is on the Titanic. Um, it was only 15 feet long, so less than 2% of the ship's overall length. But it is such a crucial part of the boat. It pivots from side to side. It creates hydrodynamic forces that rotate the ship and enable it to turn. Meaning this small part can control the whole boat's direction. So James is making this comparison to show that despite the tongue only being a very small part of our body, it has a huge effect and can control the course and direction of our lives. 
Now, at this point, James hasn't distinguished between positive or negative. He's just making the point that the tongue can have a huge impact for good or for bad, for encouraging or for tearing down, for speaking the truth or exaggerating, for standing up for someone or gossiping behind their back. The tongue and our speech is what determines that direction. But he then goes on. Verse 5 says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Okay, so not so positive anymore. James now compares the damage our speech can cause to a raging wildfire. Um, A comparison all too familiar uh, to people now following the devastating wildfires we have seen on the news from around the world recently. Australia, America, Europe, most recently in Tenerife, um, or closer to home back in 2018 um, on Saddleworth Moor. And the devastating nature of a forest set ablaze, out of control, burning everything up started by the smallest spark. It only takes a small flame to do an immense amount of damage. Likewise, though our words can seem small, the potential they have for harm or for good is vast. It's scary to think that our tongues or our choice of words could in the same way be that little spark that could cause so much damage. At one careless sentence which could destroy a relationship, could ruin someone's life, um, or could lead someone else into depression. And verse 6 says, The tongue is a fire that corrupts the whole body and is itself set on fire by hell. Now we can often um, shy away from topics such as hell and Satan, but we need to acknowledge that we we have an enemy. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So just as he was sly in finding ways to trip Adam and Eve up in the beginning, even tempting Jesus, um, Satan is desperately wanting to use our speech and our words to divide people, to pit people against one another, to bring hurt and destruction. And just like a wildfire, even when the flames have subsided, the damage is evident to see for a long time. A few words spoken in anger can destroy a relationship that took years to build and could take many more years to rebuild. James 1 verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And how often do we do the opposite of this? Slow to listen to others and understand where they're coming from. Understand their point of view. But quick to speak, speak, quick to accuse, quick to become angry, say something that we later regret. And in the process, sparking fires that may cause much damage to other people, sometimes even to those that we love the most. Now, in contrast, Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Proverbs 16 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Back again to the ship analogy, the direction or course of our life can go either way, whether we choose to use our words to praise God, to encourage people, or to swear and curse others, our lives will follow the direction 
that our mouth says. Speech that is full of bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition, unspiritual thoughts and ideas, disorder and evil will lead us in one direction. However, speech motivated by God and his wisdom is full of purity, peace, is considerate, sincere, impartial and good and it sets our life in another direction. And Ephesians 5 verse 4 says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And 1 Timothy 6 verse 20 says, Turn away from godless chatter. How often do you get swept up in godless chatter, or gossip, or crude jokes? And now, I'm not trying to be a a killjoy here, Um, I feel as Christians we can often be too serious. Um, And from reading the Gospels we know Jesus liked hanging out with people, um, hanging out with friends, entertaining guests, going to parties, attending weddings, um, and people flocked to him. Um, And yes, people flocked to him because he had a life-changing message um, and he healed many sicknesses and diseases, Um, but I also believe it was because he had an infectious personality. He was fun to be around and I'm sure he would have shared jokes. But I think we all know that conscience inside of us when a particular joke shouldn't be shared or shouldn't be laughed at. So just spend a minute now thinking about your life. Imagine you are uh, that boat, or if you prefer the horse analogy, think about that instead. Um, And honestly reflect, which direction do you think your speech takes you in? How do you use your words? Do you use them flippantly, without much thought, to swear or to put others down? Or do you use them to praise, to encourage, to give thanks to God. Um, and this isn't to, to guilt trip anyone or make us feel bad. Um, just feel it's important to take a step back and reflect on this. And as I've been like, kind of studying the Bible ahead of this, there's actually a load of verses that are to do with our speech. And I know for me, um, I hope a lot of the time I'm aiming towards the positive side. But there are definitely times I drift the other way. Even recently, there have been times when my speech certainly hasn't been gracious or seasoned with salt. Um, I've been quick to lose my patience, become irritable. I've spoken to Rosalind out of anger in a way that definitely didn't represent sweet honeycomb. Um, and Matthew 12, 36, uh, it says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So Jesus takes our speech seriously. He cares about our speech and how we talk to those around us. And he wants us to have control over our tongue. Um, So I feel it's important to to add here that taming the tongue isn't just about saying the right words at the right time. Um, It's also about learning when you shouldn't speak or things that you shouldn't say. Um, And I feel actually um, words are spoken so freely nowadays. Um, So when I was growing up, um, most people had pay-as-you-go mobile phones, um, which had a strict character limit on that 10p text message uh, that you were going to send. And I remember spending a lot of time trying to ensure my messages didn't go over that limit. Um, And you had a choice. You could either reduce the number of words that you used or the content in your message, or you try to use as many abbreviations as you can that your recipient had no chance of understanding what you were trying to say. But I do feel it made you um, be more careful over your choice of words. Now, I've no idea how people, um, like, survived using pages. And, like, it's crazy that there are some people in this room that have no idea what a pager is. But I used to think my dad was so cool when he had a pager kind of strapped to his 
to his waist and it used to bleep. Um, but nowadays we live in an age where most people have unlimited messages. WhatsApp has no character limit. Things can be sent much quicker. They can be deleted and retracted a lot quicker um, if we decide we shouldn't have said what we did. Um, they can be sent to someone on social media when actually we may never have to face, see them face to face. And I'm always so tempted to go back to that old brick phone. I think, I don't know if it's just me, but life seems so much simpler if you could only call or text someone or play Snake. Um, but what if we did just stop to think before we replied to someone or to a message? What if we stopped to consider our words carefully before we spoke? What difference could that make? Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So let's aim to bring healing with the words that we use. Let's pause and consider if what we are saying or about to say, firstly, is true, secondly, is honouring God and others, And thirdly, is spoken in a kind and loving way. So firstly, we need to recognise that our speech determines the direction of of our life. Then verse 7 in our passage continues. It says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So having highlighted the problems our speech can cause, James then shows how difficult taming the tongue is. Though human skill has enabled us to capture um, and tame all kinds of wild beasts, no human has by their skill and their patience been able to control the tongue. Right, so my speech directs my life, but this passage is saying to me that no one can tame their tongue. So what hope do I have? What hope do we have? uh, And why should we even bother? And I'll be honest with you, I quite like that James has included this in the passage, that no human being can tame the tongue. Because I think if he didn't, if he'd left that bit out, I'd be left thinking, okay, my life, uh, my tongue directs my life, I know it has the potential to cause so much damage to myself and to others, so I guess I've just got to try harder. I must try harder to focus on each and every word I speak. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and make sure I don't say anything negative or let anything hurtful slip out of my mouth. And the truth is, that may work for like an hour or so. But trying harder in our own strength to control our speech will ultimately fail. And the reason it will fail, as James suggests, is that the tongue flows out of a different pool. If our speech is polluted, that pollution has occurred upstream. If our heart is polluted, then our speech will be. If our heart is pure, it will come through in the way that we speak. So this brings me on to my second point. Your heart determines the content of your speech. So let's continue in our passage. So from verse 9, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James is highlighting the contradictions that can appear in our speech. One minute praising God, the next cursing someone who God has created in his image. And these contradictory patterns of speech 
don't make sense. And James is clear. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. There shouldn't be that contradiction in our speech. He compares it to being as wrong as a fig tree producing olives. So a fig tree by nature is a fig tree and it produces figs. It can't produce olives. If it does keep producing olives, then it isn't a fig tree, is it? It's an olive tree. The same way if I bought an apple tree from a garden centre, when I planted it, it only produced pears. I wouldn't, take, I wouldn't take it back to the garden centre and tell them they had sold me a faulty apple tree. I would realise that, in fact, by nature, it was a pear tree. So in the same way, if cursing and slander keep coming out of my mouth and negative thoughts, I need to examine my heart. What is my true nature? Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is reminding us that our speech and our actions reveal our true underlining beliefs, our attitudes, our motivations. The good impressions we try to make cannot last if we are being deceptive. What is in your heart will come out in your speech and your behaviour. And there is something wrong if we both... Pray, if both praise and blessing are coming out of my mouth one minute and the next complaining, lying, putting someone else down. So how do we change our hearts? Again, I'm pretty sure the answer here isn't to try harder. I don't think that's going to get me very far. The answer is through the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit can change my heart and can change your hearts. The gospel message summed up in John 3, 16 and 17. And I know I often include these verses in my preaches, but they are so important. So don't let them just wash over you because they're familiar. Let's read them again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now notice, and it's important to stress, that we do not need to tame the tongue in order to be saved. We are saved purely through faith in Jesus. But it is through Jesus and his death and his resurrection that we can have an open relationship with God. It is through Jesus that we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And it's through Jesus that we have our sins forgiven and our hearts are renewed. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And what wonderful news is that? The old has gone, the new is here. In the gospel, God renews the heart. It is here that the tongue can be tamed. As God changes us from the inside out, we will find that our previously ungodly patterns of speech are changed. And by this, our life is taken in a new direction. And for you, it may be an instant change in your speech. There is great power in the gospel. Um, And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit can radically turn someone's life around in a moment. But it may also be a gradual process. The analogy of the ship again, it actually takes a ship a very long time to turn and change direction. And this may be your experience. But if the Holy Spirit has truly renewed your heart, then you will start to see change in your speech. The Holy Spirit will give us increasing power to monitor and control what we say. So that when we're offended, the Spirit will remind us of God's love and we won't react in a hateful manner. When we are criticised, the Spirit will heal the hurt and help us not 
to lash out. In Galatians chapter 5, again, very familiar verses to many, um, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And my prayer is that we would all see more of this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, in our speech. More love for God and for our neighbour, for those of us, those around us in church, at home, at work, at school. More joy in our everyday life, so giving praise and honour to God, genuinely celebrating other people's successes with them, rejoicing with them rather than being envious or resentful. More peace when difficult times come, peace in our words uh, to someone if they're getting angry with us. More patience with the person in the car that just cuts in front of you. Or more patience with your children when they don't listen to you. Uh, More kindness to the stranger on the street who interrupts your day. That encouraging word to a friend. More goodness in the jokes that we share or that we laugh at. More faithfulness in being a witness to our friends and speaking truth. More gentleness in our words when we can feel we're getting angry at something. More self-control when we are tempted to gossip or to swear. And we look to Jesus both to have our hearts changed, but also to see the wonderful example that he set in his speech that we read about in the gospel. Such compassion and love for others, particularly those who are outcast by society. Often speaking with gentleness, having the wisdom and self-control to know when to speak and when to remain silent. Even when Falsely accused and sentenced to death on a cross, Jesus was able to control his tongue. And just as we finish, I want to be um, honest with you. Um, I was actually pretty grumpy last Sunday. Um, Not during the service, so I actually, I really enjoyed the service. I was praising God, I was um, raising my hands in worship, I was singing songs to him. But after the service, I just felt really grumpy. Um, I couldn't really put my finger on why. Maybe it was tiredness, maybe it was thinking about work the next day and the stresses that come with that. But either way, I was a grump nonetheless. But that raised an alarm bell for me. Something is off here. How can I go from one minute praising God to the next being moody, impatient and angry? Something in my heart isn't right. And that afternoon I had to go back to God to be honest with him and ask his Holy Spirit to renew my heart once again. Maybe that is you right now. Maybe you know that your speech isn't great, that you've noticed your tongue has been uncontrolled recently. Maybe you've said some hurtful things that have caused offence or upset someone. Just I'd encourage you to spend some time with God. Spend some time reflecting, reflecting on Jesus, reflecting on the cross. Come to him, repent, ask for forgiveness. And like I did last week, ask for the Holy Spirit to renew your heart once again. And you might find it helpful to use the words of David Um, in Psalm 51, verse 10. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 